just before the summer, and maybe months ago, we were praying and thinking about what uh, series to teach on. And we came up with this title, Live Life Now. And this is all based on something. And as I was watching the flames and the fire last Sunday, and I was thinking, is this still appropriate? This really is appropriate, okay, what we're going to teach into over the next five or six weeks together. You see, thousands of years ago, a young lad sat down and wrote a poem, turned it into a song. We know it as a psalm. And in those hundred or so words, it has become the most famous poem, song, psalm in the history of the world. In fact, this is so famous that even if you're not religious, you'll have heard of it. Even if you've not been to church, you'll know some of the lines from it because you've been to funerals and it's often used at funerals. It's often used at the bedside of people who were dying. I've read it over people as they've passed from this life to the next. It's occasionally used at weddings, but more often it's, it's associated with death. It's the most famous psalm ever in. It's Psalm 23. And that's what we're going to teach on over the next five weeks. And I, I stood and watched the church there last week and, and thought about it. But the words came back to me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. <laughs> Still seems appropriate to me to talk about this. You know, um, 13 years ago in 2002, I uh, taught on this psalm. How many of you remember that? Are you still here 13 years? Just a few of you. So most of you weren't here. And at the time, and it's, it's, you know, I think it's probably one of the most impactful series that we'd ever done uh, as a church up to that point. And uh, I want to teach into it again. I'm going to use some of that material, but it's, been, it's going to be refreshed okay, over the last 13 years and by what's happening now as well. And I'm using some stuff from a book written by Max Licato called Travelling Light. Uh, okay, so I want, to, I want to credit that because there's some thoughts in, in, in what I'm going to share, which are from his book as well. But over the next few weeks, we're going to look at this psalm and we're going to show you that this psalm is not just a psalm for life. It's, a psalm, it's not just a psalm for death. It's a psalm for life. It's not just a psalm for the religious. Okay, It's a psalm for everyone. It's not just a psalm for make-believe stuff. It really is a psalm for real issues. It's a psalm that will help you live through the fires of life and after the fires of life as well. It's a psalm that if you get it and apply it to your life, will help you live life now. How many of you know we need to live life now, don't we? None of us know what tomorrow will bring. We need to live life now. This is not a psalm that's about death. This is a psalm about life. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's about now. That's about life right now. And live life now, uh, when we Googled it, is also a song by that great musical sensation of our generation, Cheryl Cole. Okay? There's a little bit of an irony there in what I said. But the lyrics of the song, which are so deep... Um, again, irony, uh, are this, what do you desire if money was no object? What would it require? What would you desire? Live your life now. The whole premise of this, folks, is that if you want something, if you get money, you'll get what you want and then you'll live life now. What a load of utter tosh. 
The idea that satisfaction, contentment, happiness comes from what you get or can purchase is what our society is built on. And can I say to you, it's rubbish. Because if that was the case, there'd be a lot of happy people who are rich people and a lot of sad people who are poor people. But my experience is it's often the other way around. Some of the poorest people I've ever met on the planet are some of the most joyful people I've ever met. And I've met people who are very rich and they're not happy because they haven't got enough. Because if you build your life on the premise that if I want, if I can get it with money, it will make me happy and contented, then I'll live life now. You're building your life on a dream and on an illusion. You really are. And um, yeah, a guy called Doug Larson said, the world is full of people looking for spectacular happiness while they snub contentment. We live in a world that values success, that values achievement, and there's nothing wrong with that. But if that's the basic value of your life, you're going to be in trouble. You will not live life now because that will never come to you. It will always be just the next deal away, just the next house away, just the next car away, just the next wife away. It will always be something that you don't have now. And you will never live life now. Boris Becker, the tennis player, he said this, I've won Wimbledon twice, once as the youngest player in the world. I was rich. I've had all the material possessions I needed, money, cars, women, everything. I know this is a cliche, he said. It's the old song of the movie and pop stars who commit suicide. They have everything and yet they are so unhappy. But I had no inner peace. I was a puppet on a string. You see, if you don't have a good shepherd in your life, you're not going to be able to live life now as God intended. But the incredible thing is you can have a good shepherd in your life and his name is Jesus. And that's who we want to talk about this morning. You see, David who wrote Psalm 23, he had a shepherd. He had a relationship with God. And it was because of that that he learned to live life now. Not just in the future, but right now. You see, life without a shepherd. Let me just paint a few pictures here. The problem is we don't really like this image of sheep and shepherd in our modern, sophisticated, 21st century Western world. Because if we, if we accept this, then we're accepting that not only do we need a shepherd, but we're also accepting that we're sheep. And we don't really like the idea of that, do we? In fact, David Keller, who was a 20th century shepherd, he wrote this. Sheep do not take care of themselves. Sheep receive more attention and meticulous care than any other class of livestock because they're dumb. That's what he wrote. And we don't like the idea that, you know, that we're sheep and we need a shepherd. That's not how we're wired in our modern 21st century Western world. We love the sentiment behind the old Frank Sinatra classic, I did it my way, don't we? You know, I don't need a shepherd to tell me what to do. I'm going to do it my way. Now, let's just do a little test this morning to see if we actually do need a shepherd or whether we're okay on our own. So I'd like you all to put your hands up for a moment. Let's start from that point, okay? Right, so you can put your hand down if you can control your moods all of the time. You're never grumpy or irritable. And you're always upbeat and positive. You can put your hand down. Simon, put your hand up. All right. You see, you see that's the reality, okay? It, okay, you can put your hand down. You see, if I ask you to put your hand up, if you're at peace with every person on the planet, that even your ex-girlfriend th thinks well of you, there wouldn't be many hands go up. Or, or maybe if I said, put your hand up, if you have no fears, there's nothing that you ever worry or get concerned about. Nobody could do that. Or if I said, put your hand up, if you've never had any need of forgiveness because you've never made a mistake. Yeah, right. <laughs> you see, the reality is we all need a shepherd because we're human. We all need a shepherd because we're human. And if it doesn't apply to you and you don't need a shepherd, then you're on some other kind of planet as far as I can see. 
But listen to this, because this is quite a poignant poem written by a guy called Stuart Ferguson. And he called it Psalm Plenty Me, a variation on Psalm 23. I am my own shepherd, thank you. If I'm in need or want, then it's down to me. I lie down whenever I want to and wherever I want to. Nobody leads me anywhere. I restore myself. Another holiday usually works. I'll do whatever I think is right. I don't need you to tell me, for God's sake. I avoid the valley of the shadow of death. I go another way. Of course I fear evil, doesn't everyone? Nobody is with me, and that's fine. I am on my own. Actually, I do have friends. But I don't need anyone to fight off my enemies with a rod, and I definitely don't need rescuing with any staff. I know how to lay a table, thanks. I don't need anyone to do anything for me, and I can anoint my own head if it needs it. My cup overflows if I wanted to, but I don't need anyone else pouring anything else into it. Thank you. Surely nothing and nobody will follow me all the days of my independent life, and I will live alone in my house forever. Hmm. It's quite poignant, isn't it? And it sums up, I think, the age and the spirit of a generation that says we don't need anyone. We will do it our way. But I want to tell you this morning, you don't need to live like that. You can live life now. And you can live life now when the Lord is your shepherd. And we're going to look just at that first verse this morning. That's all we're going to do. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And the big idea I want to explore with you this morning is this. What you have in God is greater than what you don't have in life. Does that make sense? What you have in God, if you know God, is greater than what you don't have in life. See, what you have in God is greater than what you could lose in any fire or in any situation. Because what we have in God is enough. Because David said, the Lord is my shepherd, so I will not want for anything else. So I don't need to be driven. I don't need to say, can I be a success? Can I achieve? Can I gain? Can I get? Can I do that? Can I earn? Can I? I don't need to do any of that. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now out of that, I'm going to earn and I'm going to achieve and I'm going to do all those things. But I don't do it because I'm driven to do it. David says, I do it out of my security in who I am because the Lord is my shepherd and whatever I have in God is greater than anything I don't have in life. That's amazing. And I want to look at this, this phrase, the Lord is my shepherd. I want to show you three things about it. Firstly, if the Lord is your shepherd, you have God, you have a God who is peerless. You see, David says the Lord and, and the name he uses for the Lord is the Hebrew Yahweh and that's a name of God. And there are lots of names for God in the Old Testament. He could have used Elohim or El Shaddai, but he used this one, Yahweh. It's the ultimate name for God. It's the name that was revealed to Moses at the burning bush. When, when God said to Moses, go and back to Egypt and deliver my people. And Moses said, that's a massive job. Who shall I say has sent me? And God says, I am has sent you. That doesn't sound like a name. That's like an I am and, and carry on. I am. What does it mean? Well, it literally means I am who I am. And that revelation of that name is also a revelation of the nature of God. Now, now let me try and explain this to you. I am Leon. All right. That's my name. Yeah, you all know that. If, my, if then this was a revelation of my nature, I might say to you, do you know what? I am kind. I am clever. I am generous. I am stunningly good looking on photographs. All right. Now, I am those things. Well, most of them. But I'm not them all of the time. That's the reality. And I haven't been them this week from various moments because I'm human. But when God says I am, he is 
all of the time, every time, every day. When he says, I am love, he's always love. When he says, I am great, he is always great. When he says, I am gracious and kind and merciful and forgiving, he is always all of those things. That's why if the Lord is your shepherd, you have a shepherd who is peerless. Isn't that amazing? Not only is he peerless, but he's also present. The Lord is, the Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd. Not was, not maybe, not should be, not could be, not might be, but he is right here, right now. You know, I've experienced God so many times in the last three weeks. I could keep you here all day. In fact, I did say at the first service that one of the things we've missed out of this auditorium, we have no clock on the back wall. Sucks to be you this morning because I've got lots to say and I've got no way of knowing the time. But Simon has just put it on his big iPad there. So I am clocking the time. So don't you worry, okay? But you know, over the last three weeks, I've experienced God so many times where I've, got, I've known that God is not the God of was or is or, or, or maybe or could be. He's the God of is. He's the God of now. When we left for South Africa and we were all excited and we got on the plane and we flew 10 hours to Johannesburg. And as we went through customs, one of the girls in our team is not on a British passport. And we thought everything had been sorted and done and everything was fine. We never even thought about it. And she was stopped and refused entry into the country. She was there with her fiancé. And we then went into customs office and we were there for several hours and I literally pleaded and begged with these customs officials to let them in. I can't tell you how I pleaded and begged because I really did. And you know, I prayed and I really believed that God would come through and that God, because we hadn't done anything willfully wrong, okay? If, if it was a mistake, it was a mistake. We didn't know that. But I thought, here's these two young people really serving God. And, and God didn't come through in that moment. And they had to get on a plane and fly 10 hours back. And I can't tell you how devastated I was as a leader. I took that really, really personally. In fact, I was really angry with God at the time. So we ended up a five-hour coach trip, finally arriving at the site. And the next two or three days, I was really struggling. But there were moments in the mornings when I'd go out on what we call the rock, and get up early, half five, six o'clock, and go out on the rock and pray with God. And I was angry with God. I said, God, why didn't you step in? Then you could have done it. I know you can. Why didn't you? And I don't know the answer to that this day. But I met God. I met God sometimes at the rock. But I really met God when, I, when, when we phoned them and spoke to them and saw how they had handled the situation. And how on the way back, having been stuck in customs for eight or nine hours, not treated very well, on the way back out, the customs guard said to them, um, what, you do, what were you doing here anyway? And they said, oh, we come to help kids and blah, blah, blah. And they said, oh, you pray, do you? And they said, yeah. And they said, pray for us then. So they did. So they prayed for the customs guards on the way out that God had blessed them and their lives and their families. Because the Lord is our shepherd. And I met God in them. And I met God in the team over the two weeks when I saw how they rallied. And how over that two weeks we had someone in hospital for two days had an allergic reaction to penicillin. We had someone in clinic for two days with a snake bite. We had a black mamba snake, which if it bites you, you die, which was loose on the site and we couldn't find it. We had three people off with sickness and diarrhea. And by the way, it was a great trip. (laughs) Really was. No, it really was a great trip. But I saw God in the midst of all that. Because the Lord is my shepherd. He is right now. And we went into communities and I saw little kids who have nothing on their feet and very little in their bellies but had a lot of joy. Oh, there's God. And when I see two young guys who are in their 20s who are orphan guys, brought up as orphans, who are now becoming fathers in their community, that's God in them. And I've seen and met God this week in you guys in this church. When I've seen God, because I know that the Lord is my shepherd, because he's right here, right now. 
you know, I'm, I'll, I hope she doesn't mind me saying this. And I don't want to pick anybody out particularly, but on Thursday, a lady in this church who's here this morning who, who struggles a little bit with mobility. She came down here in the afternoon. She stayed right the way through into the evening. She brought a load of equipment with her, which she kind of trundled over to that corner there. And she hand cleaned about 140 chairs. And she scraped the chewing gum off and the cack and the rubbish and whatever. And she did it all with such an amazing attitude. And then we helped her to get into the car. And then she drove off. And I said, I've met God. Met God in that act of service in that woman. Because the Lord is my shepherd. And if you don't have this God in your life, you are not living life now. You're really not. Because you can. It does not ensure us against bad things happening. It does not mean that we won't have fires, that we won't have disappointments, and we won't have bad experiences with health or at the customs. It doesn't mean any of that. But in the midst of that, we experience that there's a God and He's alive. He's not dead. He's not dead. He's alive. Because the Lord is my shepherd. And He's my shepherd. That means not only is He peerless, not only is He present, but He's also personal, isn't He? It says in John chapter 10, let's look at this together. John 10 verse 11, I am, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. See, if our shepherd was that shepherd, when he saw the flames, he'd have gone. But I tell you what, our God stepped up. Our God stepped up because that's the kind of shepherd he is. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But I am the good shepherd, said Jesus. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. So listen, if you don't know the good shepherd, if you've never made Jesus the shepherd and the leader and the Lord of your life, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do it today. And here's why I think you should do it. Because you are putting your life into the hands of the greatest shepherd who's ever lived. And he's going to help you to live life now. And when it comes to that moment, and it will, when you pass from this life to the next, he will not stop leading you. He'll lead you right the way through into his presence. And that's an amazing thing. And Jesus says he's a good shepherd. And he's a good shepherd because he would die for the sheep. He would literally lay down his life. He has literally laid down his life for the sheep. But also he knows the sheep. You see the beauty of relationship. And we're going to explore that over the next few weeks. And you see, um, what, what you're going to see is that he knows our names. You see, in the, in the Eastern world, okay, in the Western world, sheep are largely raised for meat. But in the Eastern world, okay, they're largely raised for wool. And it's certainly in this day and age as well that we're talking about. And what would happen is that the flocks of sheep would all be in a public fold, okay? They'd all be in a public pen. All the different shepherds' flocks of sheep would all be scattered and mixed up together. And every morning the shepherd would come and he'd go into the fold and he'd begin to call out for his sheep. That's what would happen. And the sheep would come to him because they knew his voice and he knew them. So that's the way that he found his sheep. They weren't all in nice little order. They were all just mixed up. But he'd go in and he'd speak and they would come to him. And that's what Jesus means when he says, the sheep know me because they hear my voice. He knows our names and we know his voice. He also knows our natures. He knows how distinctive and different we are. He also knows our needs. That's why David begins with, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And what we're going to look at in the next five minutes is the one thing or the first thing that disconnects us from living life now. And that is discontentment. When we are discontented, when there's something that we want that's not God, it separates us from living life now because it's out there and we don't have it here. And I want to explore that. 
You see, that phrase, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, literally means I have not wanted, I do not want, and I do not expect ever to want because the Lord is my shepherd. Let let me read that again. I have not wanted, I do not want, and I do not expect ever to want because the Lord is my shepherd. So our key thought today is what you have in God is greater than what you don't have in life. Can I hear an amen or at least a grunt? What you have in God is greater than what you don't have in life. So whatever you don't have in life, is that the thing that's separating you from living life now? Do you know, if only I was rich, if only I had this, if only I could go on that holiday, if only I could get married, if only I wasn't married, if whatever it is, okay, if whatever it is that you don't have right now, is that the thing separating you from contentment? Because if it is, you're not living life now. But when the Lord is your shepherd, you won't want. You won't want. You know, before Cheryl Cole embarked on her stunning solo career, the UK had another big band uh, of girls, the biggest girl band at the time, and you all know who they were. And they wrote an amazing song. I mean, the depth of the lyrics of this song just blows your mind. I tell you what I want, what I really, really want. I want to, no, no, come on, don't. This is, this is Shakespeare here now I'm reading here. I want to, I want to, I want to get this right. I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to really, really, really zigga, zigga. Ah, oh, I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? Incredible. But you know, the thing is, we don't know what we really, really want. And if we get what we really, really want, we suddenly really, really, really want something else. Because that's what discontentment does. And our, TV, our media works like this. Our media tells you and me, you are discontent. And contentment is one purchase away. Our media tells you, you're so discontented with your life. Am I? I didn't think I was. But now you tell me, I think I am actually. And it tells you discontent. And contentment, happiness, life would come if you could just buy that one thing. So use me, wear me, eat me, put me in your hair, drive me and you will be fine. That's what our media tells us. And we fall for it all the time. But this psalm that was written thousands of years ago comes along and says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He's peerless. He's present now. And he's personal. I don't need to want anything else. Because what I have in God is greater than what I don't have in life. That's amazing to me. That is amazing to me. You see, if there's one thing separating you from contentment right now, if I was to write up on the screen, I will be happy when, and if you were to fill in the gap, if there's one thing separating you from contentment right now, you are not living life now. And if, there is, if, if that one thing happened, when I, if I could just be rich, if I could just get a job, if I could just get married, if I could just get that house, if I could just have that holiday, if there's one thing separating you from contentment, you will not live life now. But this morning, you can give your life to God or you can reestablish that connection to God and you can say to God, you know, God, I am struggling with this, but I'm going to give this to you because I'm going to trust you. That is not going to stop me living life now. That is not going to separate me from contentment. Because you see, what happens if your ship never comes in? What happens if your dream never gets fulfilled? What happens, you see, what we do is, is, is the new thing comes along and we get a new job and we get a new car and we get a new wife, we get some new shoes. But then the new becomes old, doesn't it? Very quickly. And so what we wanted, what we really, really, really wanted, we now don't want anymore. We want something else. But David comes along and says, hey, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. So let me give you some practical things before we wrap up. I want, I want, if you want to say, I'm not sure whether I'm like this or not. Here's some tests for you, okay? Can you settle for less stuff than you've got right now? 
Do you know when people come around your house, how many of you do this? You tidy up all the stuff, don't you? Yeah, you do that. Here's something. Next time someone comes around to your house, leave the stuff out. Maybe they'll take some of it with them when they go. <laughs> then that will test whether you can settle for less stuff than you've got right now. Can you give some of the stuff away? Can you honour God with your money? Can you be generous with what you have? You do know that the richest people in the world are not necessarily the most generous, don't you? Because generosity is not how much you've got, it's what you do with what you've got. Some of the most generous people I know don't have a lot, but they are so generous with it. Because we're not living for the stuff, we're living for the shepherd. What we've got in God is greater than what we don't have in life. You know, if you're in that place now, and you've never given your life to Jesus, in a moment I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that this morning. Two people did it in the first service and there may be others of you that want to do it here. But if you have already done that, maybe you're struggling to trust God with something right now. Maybe you're struggling to really live life now because of that thing. Yeah, but that hasn't come in and, and that hasn't happening and this isn't happening. And maybe this morning God has brought you here to this new space for us to say, Hey, I'm daddy. Give it into my hands. I can fix it. You need to live life now. I am your shepherd. You don't need to want. I'm going to ask um, Russ and uh, Gemma and Lee to come. They're going to sing a beautiful song for you this morning. And then after that, I'm going to come back and I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. And you know, there's a, a great hymn written many years ago. And in a few weeks, Abby is going to sing a new version of this that they've written. But the words are so great. And it says, it's the king of love, my shepherd is, whose goodness faileth never. I nothing lack if I am his and he is mine forever. You can rest in that this morning, guys. You can rest in that. Let's just do that for a few moments. Let me close our eyes just for a moment. I'm going to invite you this morning, if there's anyone here and you've never said yes to the Good Shepherd, you've never said to God, God, would you be the Lord and the leader of my life? I, I want to have a relationship with you so that what I have in you is greater than anything that I can not have in life. If that's you this morning, maybe you've never done that. Maybe you've been around church. Maybe you've been here. But you've never ever said yes and you've never invited him to be the Lord and the leader of your life. I want to give you a chance to do that right now. So while everyone's got their eyes closed, all I want to ask you to do is just to put your hand up. I'll see it and then I'm going to pray for you. And God will do it. So is there anyone here this morning? Thank you at the back. Ben, pray for us. Thank you. Thank you in the middle. Anybody else? I'm going to wait. Thank you, guys. I saw your hand. Anybody else? Father, we want to thank you for these folks here. God, we want to thank you that they're responding to you. God, you're already on your way to them. Lord, would you fill their lives, I pray, from this day on with your presence and with your spirit. Let they never be the same again. Become the Lord and the leader and the good shepherd of their life. Let them experience joy and contentment in unbelievable ways, we pray. In Jesus' name. And while we've still got our eyes closed, maybe there's many of us here and maybe you're struggling right now just to trust God with something in your life. You know, I'll probably put my hand up here right now as well. And maybe that's things separating you from living life now. You know, maybe today you could say, Hey, Daddy, could you have this? Could you get this? 
because I don't know what to do with it. I can't fix it. And when we let it go, there's an incredible peace that comes. doesn't mean we go passive, but it means that we let it go. We invite the shepherd into the process. So maybe this morning, if there's any of you here and you're struggling to trust God with something in your life, just lift your hand up as a sign to say to God, I want to surrender this to you. That's great. That's great. Lord, here it is. Daddy, would you trust this? Would you get this, Daddy? Because I can't sort it, but I know you can. And so I'm leaving and I'm trusting in your goodness. Father, by your spirit, by your spirit, would you supernaturally bring rest and bring peace and bring purpose, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to, oh, it's been amazing, hasn't it? God's spirit, God is so good. We're going to finish by singing and by taking our offering. And there's a reason why we haven't taken the offering earlier on. We tend to downplay offerings here in this church because if you're a visitor, we don't you know, want that to be a problem. We know that the reputation for many churches, we're just after your money. We're not. Okay, we're far more interested in your life. Okay, for God. But the reason I've left the offering to the, the last thing is that it's really important in a time like this for us as a church that we give. And I'm so grateful for you for all of your giving. You give to the church and you give to the building through the third place. If you're giving to the third place, please, if you're able, do not stop doing that. Please don't think that there's some massive insurance claim here now and you, we don't need your money. That is not the case. We have lost money over this last week due to loss of income, due to lots of situations. So I'm really asking you as part of our response to let's give generously and let's give with a sense of, God, you're bringing something great out of this season for us as a church. Amen.